0: I'm your host, Von Buha, the Clippers beat writer for The Athletic. We've hit double digits. Thank you for coming along on this journey with me. I also just figured out how to use my mic, so that that helps. I figured out I was using it backwards, and I, I could already tell the audio is, is better and clearer. So hopefully that, uh, that that's an improvement on the listening end for you guys. But it is Friday night. 9:30 p.m. clearly I have nothing better to do than than to podcast right now but it is post game 3 the clippers lost 132-105 it was a bit of a predictable loss uh, you know coming off the heels of that historic game 2 comeback you figured that the warriors would come out angry and embarrassed they'd be more motivated uh, kevin durant going back in the media you know i'm kevin durant you know who i am Uh, in in regards to his matchup with Pat Beverly you figured that he would come out and and be more aggressive and and I thought the Warriors did a really nice job of running more off-ball actions and on ball actions to get him open to get him you know have a mismatch have Shea or Landry switch onto him have Gallo switch onto him and uh, you know he did his fair share of scoring on Pat but he, he was an assassin in game three you know got 38 points on 14 of 23 shooting that is the Uh, you know the model of efficiency and when Kevin Durant's in that zone uh, you know it might even be scarier than when Steph's in the zone to to be honest just because Steph you you feel like you can blitz him you could force the ball out of his hands you can you know you could you heck you could even foul him in transition or uh, you know just kind of stop that you know his supernova flame throwing from all over the court with KD it doesn't really matter like He's gonna, you know, when he's in that zone, he's gonna score over anybody. You know, you could throw Giannis, Kawhi, Paul George, PJ, you know, PJ Tucker, Draymond, I mean, Draymond if he was an opponent. Like, you could throw anybody on him and it doesn't really matter. He, he's gonna, you know, score. You can just turn and shoot over them. And I, I thought that was kind of the craziest part of, of that game three sequence to start was, you know, he did hit a couple of shots facing the basket, but a, a couple of them were just kind of like, catch turn not even looking at the you know not even looking at the rim just flinging it up there and in perfect swishes like he's that good of a a shooter i think we focus so much on on how good of shooters Steph and and clay are kd is probably in that top 10 conversation uh and maybe we'll finish in that top five conversation by the time his career is over so i i think you know KD's shooting just pure shooting is so underrated um he really is like a a sixth 11 7 foot you know just shooter and that that's freaky that's scary that's unprecedented uh but you know I don't think he's quite on that uh Steph Clay Reggie Miller Ray Allen level but he's probably in that second you know missed throw Steve Nash in there too but he, he's in that second tier uh whatever that tier is whoever you want to put in that tier um I think he's in that conversation so uh that 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 does not bode well for the clippers Landry Shamit had a really interesting quote, and I just included it in the, the most recent story I did. Since the game two comeback, I, I wrote about the comeback. I wrote about the, this interesting scene with Kevin Durant, you know, just this power circle at, at Oracle, where essentially uh, you know, the Sparknotes version, read the full version on the athletic, but Sparknotes version was, you know, pregame, Lawrence Frank, president of basketball operations. This is pregame uh, game two. Lawrence Frank, basketball uh, president of basketball operations of the Clippers, Gillian Zucker, uh, president of business for the Clippers. They're talking to Bob Myers, the president of basketball and GM of the Warriors. As they're talking, Steve Ballmer walks up and joins this power circle. You got you know, Clippers people, Warriors people. Then Rich Kleiman walks into it. And Rich, for those who don't know, he's the agent, business manager, you know, business partner with Kevin Durant. Uh, he that's his boy. And you know he's in a lot of ventures with him. He's done the both Simmons podcasts with him. He's doing this ESPN Plus uh, boardroom show with him. And you know, so he he's going to have a a major say and, and be a significant factor in Kevin Durant's free agency decision. And he he's over there by the Clippers bench in this circle. And it's like on one side you got you know Clippers top people, On the other side you got Bob Myers, who's theoretically trying to keep Kevin Durant with the Warriors, keep his dynasty rolling, uh, and then. Kleiman walks off, is walking back to the other side of the court, passes the Clippers bench, and as he you know, he's saying hi to a few people that you know I guess he knows, and then he starts talking to one of the Clippers security guards. And as he's talking to him, Bob Myers veers away from the, the power circle and and you know walks over to Rich and puts his arm around him and is smiling and kind of slapping his chest and all buddy buddy. And I just thought, given the circumstances, you know, it's it's enemy territory. It's in front of the Clippers bench. He's talking to Clippers people. The Clippers are going to pursue him and you know, pursue Kevin Durant for agency. Uh, and, you know, really be behind, maybe behind the Knicks are the, the biggest threat to to get Kevin Durant. Uh, and, and Bob just kind of comes and It just came off to me as a bit territorial. Uh, you know, and it came off, uh, the, the comparison I made in my story was, it looked like an, you know, an insecure boyfriend or girlfriend who sees their significant other talking to someone at a party and they come, you know, make some type of gesture, whether it's putting their arm around them or, or whatever, to kind of show like, this is my, you know, this is my boyfriend, this is my girlfriend, you know, kind of back off that type of thing. That's how I read the situation. Um, you know, I talked to a couple other people that that saw, you know, the same thing. And, and they, you know, confirmed that that's how they viewed it as well. So I thought that was just interesting. And and then the piece kind of goes into the, the tie, the kind of breadcrumbs with, with Kevin Durant and Clippers. You know he's Shea. He said uh, on the Bill Simmons podcast back in mid December that Shea was the the young guy uh, in the league that had impressed him the most this season. After they played the Clippers in the regular season, the regular season matchup finale, um, he he said Landry Shamit is going to be a force in the league and is a special young player. And then Steve Ballmer, which uh, the Athletics' Sam Amick reported, you know, a couple months ago, was at this Nike event earlier in the season and kind of was talking, you know. Gave, gave a talk and kind of a speech and it was aspirational about, you, you know, just uh, I don't know the exact specifics, but just just kind of Steve talking and, and doing his, his his dreamer talk. And, uh, uh, you know, there's multiple people with very close ties to Kevin Durant and his Nike camp uh, in attendance. So th- there are some breadcrumbs there. I don't want to read too much into it. I, I still think that, you know, the, the Knicks are probably the favorite if Kevin Durant does leave. But I think objectively, if you are looking at free agency and looking at the, the seven, eight teams that have enough cap space for a max slot, the Clippers are clearly, to me, the, the number one team. Uh, you know, so the other teams would be the Lakers, the Knicks, the Nets, uh, the Mavericks, the Pacers, the Hawks, and the Kings. So of all those teams, the Clippers had the best record. Uh, you know, the only other playoff team in that group was the Nets, but the Clippers had six more wins than the Nets in the West and uh, one point better point differential. Not sure about net rating, but uh, I would guess it'd be probably around one to 1.5 points better. So, you know, competitively, the Clippers offer Kawhi, KD, whoever else, the best immediate situation to contend. Like the Clippers won 48 games. I think if you add KD or Kawhi, that goes to that 54 to 57 range. uh, You know, probably number three seed at worst, you know, maybe number two seed, even maybe number one seed, depending on, You know, if Katie either leaves to the Clippers or or leaves to the Knicks or or somewhere else, if he leaves the Warriors, you know, they become all of a sudden beatable again. Uh, You know, right now there's kind of this air of invincibility with the Warriors. It it seems like you can't beat them. And and that's why it was so spectacular that the Clippers did beat them and pulled off that insane comeback. Uh, But, you know, realistically, like, the Warriors are most likely going to win this series in five, uh, if not six, and, you know, then they'll probably beat the Rockets. They'll beat whatever... Joke team comes out of the other side of the bracket, and then they'll go on to the finals and probably beat whoever comes out of the East. So, like, there is this air of invincibility with the Warriors because of Kevin Durant being there, and you saw that in Game Three where it was like, Clippers actually got Steph Curry in foul trouble. They they kept Clay relatively in check, but it doesn't really matter when when Kevin Durant's going off like that. When he's going off like that, he's probably the most unstoppable player in the league, more unstoppable than Steph, more unstoppable than Giannis, than Harden. Pick, you know, pick pick your player, uh, you know, a seven foot shooter like that. It, it's, it's unguardable, you know, it, it's like Kareem skyhook all over the court. So I think if Kevin Durant leaves that situation, now all of a sudden you still have Steph, you still have Clay, you still have Draymond. That's still basically the core of that 2016 team, uh, that 2015 uh, title team, the 2016 team that won had 73 wins. And, you know, it was a Draymond suspension and, and, you know, LeBron had to play the best three game stretch probably of his career for the Cavs to, to pull off that upset. So like you still have the, those remnants though. They are three, four years older. But I, I don't think the Warriors are the same invincible team. They still might be the best team in the West. They still might be the the favorite around the league, but I don't think they'd be favored against the field, especially with all the miles and and you know finals trips they'd have. They'd be what five or yeah, five straight finals trips at that point. So that 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 takes t- a wear and tear on your body. Like it it really does. You saw, I thought a little bit with LeBron that that was probably why he got injured this season was because of the uh, what eight straight final strips, which is insane. Um, you know, you could see a similar thing happen to the Warriors this postseason or, or next season. So, uh, point being, I think if, if you know the Clippers have the the best competitive opportunity for free agents, uh, with really only the Nets and, and maybe a healthy Lakers team providing like the, the second and third best alternatives. But then, then you have the market. Um, you know, I spoke to an agent for this story and the the LA market right now is number one by far in the league. Um, you know, not for, for many reasons. You, you got just the weather, you know, LA is arguably the best weather in, in the league along with Miami. Um, but even Miami, it, it gets, you know, you, you have a lot of rain, you, you have the humidity, like LA overall is probably the best weather in the league um you know it's the off-season hub of the league a good 75 80 percent of the nba spends at least a month or so in la in the off-season it's really become over the last three to five years the off-season go-to spot um so you know and guys have have, uh, houses there apartments condos uh they they play pickup there they they have business ventures there Uh, they have hollywood stuff there so guys really love LA, LA, you know, everyone loves coming to LA. So, um, you know, while there are two teams in LA and, and one team is the Lakers who always, you know, they got LeBron James because they're the Lakers. Uh, they always loom as that type of threat. I do think that the Clippers have presented themselves as a better, better run organization. I think they have better ownership, better front office, probably honestly, more young talent or a comparable young talent and, you know, they're a better team this season, more success, made the playoffs. Uh, and I think just overall, they have better, you know, the this agent said they had better continuity and, and cohesiveness. Uh, I agree. I think they have just better organizational stability and, and structure and just kind of just a better, well-run machine. I, I would, you know, if I was a free agent, I would trust the Clippers more than the Lakers right now. So you have no idea what, what's going on with Genie with Bus, Rob Polinka, all that. You, they don't even have a coach right now. Like I, I would... You know, view the, the Clippers as a you, you have the young talent in Shea and Landry, uh, Zubots. You, you have the you know, you, you have the older talent in, in Lou and Gallo. Uh, you, you have the, the role players, guys like Patrick Beverly, if they bring him back, Jermichael Green, uh, Garrett Temple, if you bring him back, and, and then you have a guy like Trez, who's kind of in that middle between the young and old, uh, you know, kind of hitting his mid 20s now, who's really developed nicely. So, I, I think you, you have guys who, who fit their roles, who, who know, you know, if a superstar stepped in, it would kind of adjust the pecking order. Uh, you'd have Lou, you know, probably number two, Gallo three, so on and so forth down down the line. But I think those guys would, you know, as long as they're kind of aware of what's going on and, and looped in and sort of on, on page with everything, like I think they would be cool with a, a superstar stepping in and kind of trying to take them to that contention level and that next level as a, organization so i really think that you know la has you know the clippers an organization they have la they have steve Baumer, the the richest owner in, in not only in the nba but in all professional sports and at least in the, in the us and you know probably the most passionate owner in in us sports and uh you know they have they have doc who i think has reestablished himself over the last couple of years as an elite coach after um his perception had and you know changed a bit the light around him had dwindled a bit i think he's rebuilt that up you have uh the the front office who look the entire league's trying to poach the clippers' front office right now you know michael winger uh, their their general manager uh, you know was granted or you know minnesota was granted permission to to interview him then you had trent reddin who, who's now uh, you know their assistant gm who's now being tied to the new orleans situation now that david griffins back there so the rest of the league is trying to poach the clippers' front office and i think you know, some Clipper fans are freaking out on Twitter and and on the athletic and I, I get it. But you know, it's actually to me a good sign. It, it's that means you're doing things the right way. Your your front office is is well run. People are, you know, you're conducting your business the right way and, and people are noticing and you know, they're taking notice and, and they're trying to recreate that in their situation. So I, I do think that while it would definitely be a loss to, to lose Winger or Reddin um or or both, uh, you know, the, the Clippers you know, would, would vault to the, the top of the, you know, candidate list with, you know, of, of openings. And on top of that, you know, there, that makes them almost more attractive is, look, you can come here, be here for a year, two years, three years, build up your reputation, and then go get a better job, you know, a, a, a raise and an upgrade and, and title and position somewhere else. That That's attractive to people. And, you know, you, you've seen it with, with Greg Popovich's staff. You know, if you're an assistant coach on Greg Popovich's staff, you're probably going to get a head coaching job at some point, point. Uh, and it's even to you know Doc staff to to some extent. You know he had Ty Lue, Alvin Gentry, um, you know Sam Cassell has been linked to uh, head coaching positions. Uh, you know uh, Rex Callihan now is, is a candidate. So I think they have you know it, it's only upside when, when your guys get poached and and get you know upgraded elsewhere. Like you know it does it does think and. But at the same time, I think the Clippers are well positioned. Like, you know, the, the thing with free agency and, and trades and the offseason and the draft and stuff, like they have all this stuff mapped out. They have contingency plans. They have backup plans for everything. Um, so, you know, while I think longer term, you'd probably feel the effect of losing a, a winger or a red in In the short term. I think they're, they've, they've got, you know, they're well set up enough where if those guys left, you know, tomorrow, I, I think that while it would hurt them in the longer term, I think in the short term, they have all, you know, They've been do planning for months. Uh, they you know, they've put in thousands of hours. You know, so I don't think necessarily that would affect their free agency plans. Like, you know, I don't I don't think Kevin Durant or Kawhi Leonard or whoever else are not going to come because those guys left. Um, you know, it, it could affect potentially them retaining some of their own free agents if if you know the Pelicans or Timberwolves went after them or or some of the like hidden g you know secret players they wanted that that those guys would maybe have on, on their new internal you know free agent rankings or boards or whatever but you know that's kind of the cost of doing business and you know I, but i think in a macro sense you know it's not going to affect kevin durant or, or Kawhi or whoever if anything you know with red going to new orleans it could potentially uh increase their their chance of getting anthony davis you, you never know so with that said let's take a quick break and then we'll get into game four adjustments At Blue Wire, we don't just partner with any advertiser. We want to make sure we're giving our listeners a good deal on a product. That's exactly why we love doing business with Harry's. Harry's is giving Blue Wire listeners a shaving kit for just $3. Go to harrys.com backslash bluewire and you'll save $10 on a trial set, which includes a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, a rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. If you're not familiar with Harry's, it's time you should be. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. The founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who've tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com backslash blue wire all of harry's blades come with a 100 percent quality guarantee if you don't love your shave let them know and they'll give you a full refund again make sure you go to harrys.com backslash blue wire to redeem your razor for three dollars so the clippers got smacked in game three uh like i said at the beginning it wasn't really a surprise uh the, the Warriors came out with, with haymakers. They they got up early. And I can repeat that statement. They got up early from all three games. And to me, like there's a there's a lot of reasons why the Clippers lost that game. They did not shoot the ball well. Uh, I believe they shot like 26% on their 53 uncontested uh shots, which by comparison the Warriors shot about four, uh, 54%, so almost you know double the percent. Um, and they had even more attempts. I think the Warriors had like 68. So they had like 15 more uncontested attempts and, and shot double the percentage. So that's a losing recipe, uh, you know, all the time. But the Clippers, you know, on uncontested shots, you should be shooting at least in the 40s, if not close to 50%. Uh, for the Clippers to shoot that poorly was, you know, it was a fluke, very un- uncharacteristic of them. But so so I would say like, you know, that that's a big factor. Kevin Durant going off. You know, just the Warriors playing with a certain verve, a certain energy defensively. I thought it was as locked in as I've seen them in a while, uh, definitely as locked in as they've been all season, or I mean, all, all series. And, you know, the, they, they really honed in on the Lou Trez pick and roll. I thought they were more aggressive, attacking Lou, putting more size on him, uh, really mit- lining up Kev- Kevon Looney and, and Andre Gudala to defend that Lou Trez pick and roll, send those two guys with long arms at Lou. Then, you know, really making sure guys is coming and making contact with with Trez on his role, playing that passing lane to kind of take away that pass. Uh, and then, you know, that is going to leave someone else open on the weak side. But when Lou is being trapped or, or double teamed or kind of shaded over to, uh, it's hard to make that read in the moment. And really what the Warriors are trying to do with that is make anyone else beat them. You know, Lou and Trez have destroyed them with that pick and roll in, in the first two games. So they're like, all right, Jermichael Green, you want to make some shots? Do that. Wilson Chandler, do that. Garrett Temple, do that. It's not going to be Lou and Trez. And I thought they did a really nice job of that. And I thought that really was a big difference in the second unit being less effective and, and just the Clippers offense overall really struggling. Now, with that being said, to me, the biggest problem in all three games, but you know, look, there's the talent disparity, which you can't overcome. Like, you, The Warriors have three all-stars. Uh, they really had five All Stars before Boogie went down. Draymond is like a fourth All Star. Like you know, he he isn't he isn't that dialed in as much in, in the regular season as he used to be. But playoff Draymond is an All Star. Uh, Andre Iguodala morphs into like a borderline All Star in the playoffs. He's one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. You, you saw when he's making threes and shots how it, it changes their offense. I thought he was a huge X factor in Game Three. Both his his defense on Lou and his three point shooting. Uh, really just kind of making the Clippers pay for not guarding him. So the Warriors, like we, we don't need to. We, I've discussed this enough. Like, you know, I, I don't want to keep, you know, blowing smoke for, for them. Like they're, they're great. They're historic. They're amazing. Cool. But for for the Clippers sake, like I think what needs to change with them is their starting lineup. Their starting lineup has been terrible this series. Uh, it's played the most minutes of any other lineups, only 23 minutes, which is, it's you know, it's a blimp during the regular season. It's a very small sample size. But – during those twenty-three minutes, they're minus twenty-five point one net rating. The five-man lineup of Vito Zubats, Danilo Gallinari, um, Landry Shamet, Patrick Beverly, and Shea Gilders Alexander, and that lineup has been terrible, and it really has caused a double-digit hole in the first and/or third quarter in all three games, and for the Clippers to have any ch- like. And this has been my kind of issue with, with the whole bench narrative all season is, you know, people love to talk about how good the bench is and, and Lou and Trez together and all this stuff. But, you know, it's kind of hid the fact of how bad their starting lineup has typically been. And really, before they made these trades, their starting lineup with Marcin Gortat and Avery Bradley was bad. And, you know, those two guys did not deserve to start over Lou and Trez. Like, and, you know, I, I get... I get having a like having a nice second, you know, having a good second unit is nice, but if your starting lineup is bad, it's kind of counterproductive. Like it it you're you're giving like the Clippers are now giving their second unit a 10 to 15 point hole to try to climb out of. And the war you know, so the Warriors bench is not good to be like, you know, you have Iguodala who's maybe the you know, in the conversation for best bench player, like I I think he is right there with Lou and Trez. Um, you know, he doesn't score the way they score, but his defensive impact, his, his versatility, his you know, just he he, ha- he has that Manu Ginobili X-factor type um, impact on, on on the Warriors, and like usually their best lineups have Iguodala somewhere in them. So, you know, he, he's one of the best bench players in the league. After that, like Kevon Looney's played really well in the series. He's played well all season. Steve Curtis said he wants to resign him. Like Kevon Looney's a solid backup big. And then, like, you don't have much after that. Like, Quinn Cook's a a microwave shooter, but, you know, he's small. He doesn't, you know, not really much of a plus defensively. And if he's not hitting shots, he's not really doing much. Sean Livingston is tailed off a lot. You know, he's in his now, you know, almost mid-30s. Like, he's not the same guy. Uh, He's still a big body defensively, and, like, he he can go to that mid-range shot. But he's not the same guy he was a couple years ago. And, like, you don't have a lot of, you know, Jonas Jerebko, like – uh, Afonzo McKinney's okay. Like they, they, this is not like a great bench. So, and on top of that, they don't even, they don't play their bench like a normal bench. They're always rotating and, and, and staggering their starters. They always have one to two starters out there. So like the bench unit is going to have clay. It's going to have Draymond, it's going to have KD. uh, you know, they'll bring Steph in eventually. So they're not a normal bench. And I, I just think the, the Clippers need to scrap this two unit thing and, and go with, you know, so I think the the temporary adjustment that they might just end up doing is benching Zubats and going with JerMichael Green. JerMichael Green has been so much better than Zubats in this series. Uh, Zubats, you know, offensively his hands have really bothered him, and, and people continually talk about him missing layups and not catching passes, and and you know, bricking jump shots, you know, really dramatically and badly. And you know, again, as I've, I've said and I've written about this, I think I've said this on here before, like he has both of his hands are injured right now. So that is the reason why um, you know, he has a tendon strain in one and I, th- I think a broken finger in the other. Like That's why he can't catch the ball. He, he's not 100% with his hands specifically. And maybe you can make the case he shouldn't even be playing, but he's playing, he's playing through it. You know, It's admirable, give him credit for that, give him props. But at the same time, like he is a bit of an offensive liability when he can't always catch the ball and or finish. Uh, defensively, while he's good in matchups, this is not a matchup he's good in. The Warriors, you know, especially with the way the Clippers are playing aggressively on KD, you need your backline rotations to be very quick. And, and, you know, you need to be reacting to cutters. And, you know, the Warriors are, Warriors are counteracting now. You know, you want to double Kevin? You want to shade over most of your defense towards Kevin? All right, well, we're going to run guys on the baseline. We're going to have back cut you. And, and you know, they've been getting dunks and layups that way. So Zubots, for as good as he's been defensively, he's really helped transform the Clippers' defense he is not that type of defender. He's not that quick. He, he cannot react that way yet. Um, you know, he's still only 22. So I, I don't think that's like a knock on him necessarily. This is his first postseason. He's going against the greatest offense of all time, but like he's not surviving in in the series right now. And, you know, he get a nice little garbage time performance at the end of game three. But to me that that's, that's not, you know, that uh, it's not really indicative of, of much like he, he dominated their third string guys. So, to me, Zubat should probably lose his starting spot and not even play, honestly. But, you know, maybe he'll still play. So Jermichael is, I think, to me, the temporary fix. But really, I think the Clippers need to get more drastic than that because the, the, the pairing of Pat Beverly, Shea Gilders alexander and Landry Schammett, that that trio, has a minus 24 net rating in their 40 minutes together. And while that grouping was good, like the Clippers starting lineup was actually good in the regular season post-trades. They were, they were plus uh, 9.0 net rating um, as the most used lineup. So that lineup, you know, worked for the most part, but it's not working against the Warriors. And that trio uh, of Landry, Shea, and Pat is, is getting killed offensively, especially. Like defensively, it's not great, but they're just not scoring points. And right now what the Warriors have done is they've focused on Landry. Clay's taking him out. And they've really focused on Gallo. KD and Draymond have each, you know, taken turns taking him out. And without those two guys scoring, the starting unit has done nothing. Like, Zoo's not scoring. You know, he's really going to feed off of Pat and Shea, uh, but he's not even doing that. Shea has been pretty timid, passing up shots, rushing shots, missing shots. He's not played well. And then Pat, like, you know, Pat Pat isn't really a scorer. You know, he, he's the fourth or fifth option in, in this lineup, so you can't really go to him for a lot of offense. And Steph, you know, for – for everyone talks about Steph's offense, but Steph's actually an underrated defender, and he's he's a sneaky like six foot three, long arms, um, you know, solid defender. I, I think he's he's done a nice job sticking with Pat on, on pick and rolls and not letting him penetrate and stuff. So, like the Warriors have really locked into the starting lineup. So my prep, you know, my proposition, start Lou in, in place of Shea, who I, I think Shea has been the worst of the Landry Pat um, Shea kind of trio, and, and you know, net rating wise, he's been the worst. Um, put Lou in for Shea. And I would go with Jermichael, but I know Trez really loves playing with Lou. They've kind of handcuffed Trez and Lou together. Trez gets upset when he's out there without Lou. So you go with Trez and Lou, and you bench Zubots, you bench Shea, and you go Trez, Gallo, Pat, Landry, and Lou. That five-man lineup was the Clippers' second-best lineup uh, Post trades, it had a plus twenty net rating. Uh, it was their second, uh, fourth most used lineup, and, and second best overall net rating. Uh, net rating wise, the best lineup was was the bench lineup of Lou Garrett, Ty, uh, Jamichael, and Trez. But Ty, for whatever reason, is not playing. I guess because of his shooting. Uh, but you know, he hasn't even been playing. He really has been like the eleventh man because even Jerome's gotten in there before him. But they're not going to that lineup. They're they're going with Wilson instead of Ty. So you know if you're not going to use that second unit lineup, I think this is this is the way to go. You you know you're you're going to go more offense than defense. But to be honest, you're not really stopping the Warriors anyway. I think they're averaging like 128 points a game in this series already, which is just ridiculous. Um, I don't know their offensive rate. I think uh, they have a I think they have a 116 offensive rating, which is better than their 114.9, which is the all time. Uh, best offensive rating, so their offense has been ridiculous in this series. But if the Clippers can't stop them, which I just don't think they can, you got to try to score on them on the other end and and make it a, you know make it a track meet. See if it, you know you could score enough points to at least keep it close. And then you know maybe you take out you Trez, Tres and Lou want to keep playing together. You take them out. You put uh, Jamichael and and Shea in midway through the first, and then you go back to Lou and Tres with the second unit. Either at the end of the first or at the beginning of the second, but this notion, you know, this to me, the, like the Clippers' backs are against the wall. If they lose Game Four, they're down three-one. They're going back to Oracle. They're going to lose Game Five. They're they're not going to win a second. You know, they're going to win a second game in Oracle. To, I don't see it happening, which is why I don't see them winning the series. But I, and at this point, they have to win a second game in Oracle to to win the series. But I do not see them going down three-one and winning Game Five at Oracle. So for the Clippers, Game Four is Game Seven. They have to win, and to me, why not try your your really your best lineup in the regular season? Because the bench lineup again is is mainly going against second unit guys. But your your best lineup, a lineup you've closed with Trez Gallo, uh, Pat Landry, and Lou, go with that lineup. Try that lineup, and if it doesn't work the first few minutes, the Warriors still go off. They they can't defend them. They expose Lou. Th- then you know, scrap that and go with your normal starters. Or go with Jamichael at center and and bring back in Shea. But I just think for the Clippers, you got to try something drastic because this starting lineup is getting killed. I do expect they're going to make a change. I, I've asked Doc, uh, I asked Doc about this today at practice and he was like, I was like, are you concerned at all about how bad the starting lineup has been? And do you feel like because of the urgency of the playoffs, you're going to have to make an adjustment? And he basically, you know, he he didn't want to play his hand, but he did say we are concerned. We're evaluating everything and we might make an adjustment. So my read is I think they're going to start Jamichael over Zou. I don't know if they're going to make any other changes. But to me, I think, look, you, you go with the Luch. Lou and Trez have been the two best players for the Clippers in this series. And the Lou trez pick and roll has been the most unstoppable offensive weapon for them. So go with that against the, the Warriors starters. Uh, you know, the, the Warriors want to put Kevon Looney and Andre Gudala on Lou and Trez. But those guys come off the bench. So if you, now you're forcing Andrew Bogut, who's not as quick, who, who's not going to really show as much, who's going to drop in the pick and roll. Uh, against Lou and Trez, and yeah, you could put Clay on on Lou, or you could put Draymond, you know, you could put KD, Clay, Draymond, whoever on Lou, but that's not Andre Iguodala. I think Andre Iguodala defends him the best of, of those uh, four options. So you're you're kind of messing with the Warriors' second unit plans, and, and who knows, maybe they adjust, put Kavon Looney in the starting lineup, or put Iguodala out there. But I, I just think for the Clippers, you you're running out of options, and you're running out of time, and. and you know, 23 minutes is a small sample size in the regular season, but in the playoffs, it's, it's a huge sample size. And that lineup, the, really, the starting lineup should not play together ever again. And you should probably try to limit the Pat, Landry, Shea combination. Uh, they're just not guarding Shea. And they're not really guarding Pat either. And, and I think really Pat and Shea are the two who should probably have their minutes staggered and play as little as possible together. Landry, I think, is valuable still because he has gravity. And if Clay is guarding, you know, if Clay is trying to shut him down and, and stay in his jersey, he's at least taking Clay out of the action. And if he's in the corner or he's running off a baseline screen, like he's taking Clay out of the the play, and that's going to help. um, You know, it's going to help maybe Gallo get open or or the you know the Lutrez pick and roll. But you know, you know if, if Shay's out there, they're putting Draymond on him and they're just not guarding him. And, and even Pat, like Steph, is playing far off of him and uh, you know helping a lot. So. To me, I think you just got to go all in. It's game four. You're the underdog. You're the heavy underdog. You're already down 2-1. And if you don't win this game, you don't have it. You know, the series is over basically. So to me, go with Lou and Trez. Uh, you know, that, that could open up Gallo's game. They could collapse on those two and then leave Gallo open. Could open up Landry as a shooter. You need to get one of those two guys going uh, outside of the normal Lou and, and, and Trez situation. Then you have Pat out there because you need his defense, you know. And, and for for those who who are concerned with Lou's defense, the Clippers actually put Lou in the final regular season matchup with the Warriors when they didn't have Pat and Gallo. They started Lou and Trez. and they were very undermanned. Like they they you know they didn't have two of their what four or five best players. And against the Warriors, when you're already at a talent disadvantage like that that that's death. But. Um, you know they put Lou on on Draymond and just had him. You know they they previewed the strategy they were gonna do, which is just ignore Draymond if he wants to shoot, do whatever, like let him do that. They put Lou on him and it actually kind of worked. So I think you could, and I think with, with the way the, the Clippers defended KD and got torched, they're actually gonna probably switch Gallo on him and you know end this pad experiment. Um, so I, I could actually see them going like you know Trez defend Bogut, Lou you defend Draymond, Gallo you defend KD. Uh, and then, you know, it seems like they like Landry on Steph. So Landry, you defend Steph and, and Pat, you defend Clay, or you could switch those two however you want to play it. Uh, so to me, like when, you know, th- there's no point in playing it safe. Playing it safe ha- has not worked so far. Uh, it's kind of been one of Doc's weaknesses all season. I think he's been very stubborn and rigid with his his rotations and lineups, uh, including when they haven't worked. Like the Avery-Gortat starting lineup did not work. and you know, pretty much all like, it, it wasn't just the line of that. It was just look at the basic first and third quarter splits. The Clippers are losing the first and third quarter every night. And, you know, even against bad teams. And that was just because they were playing two guys who shouldn't have been starting. This is not as drastic. I, you know, I don't think Zubats, Zubats is better than Gortat even for as bad as he's been at times in the series. And uh, you know, Shea if he's the one that gets benched has been better than Avery, but you got to, you know, you got to, you really got to score. Like that's really been the starters problem is, you know, the Warriors are going off, but they're just not scoring. And they're turning the ball over. Uh, You know, they're taking really inefficient, bad shots. Uh, They're, they're not penetrating. There's not a lot of action. So to me, you know, I wrote more about this. There's more on the athletic, you should check it out. But my fix going into game four, um, would just would just be this. Like, I, I think you you go all in. You start Lou and Trez, and you, you see what happens. You go down swinging with with your best lineup, your best. You know, you're putting your three best guys out there: Lou, Trez, and Gallo, and you're you're seeing what happens. You know, the Warriors start. You know, for like, yes, they're bringing you all off the bench, but the, war, the Warriors aren't bringing Kevin Durant off the bench. They're not bringing Steph Curry off the bench. They're not bringing Clay Thompson off the bench. Like the the what the Clippers are doing is the equivalent of of bringing like. It's like, all right, Kadian and Clay, you come off the bench. Like, no, that that not what they're doing. You know, so I think the Clippers need to need to go with their best guys. Thank you for listening to episode ten. Uh, I will be back after game four. Uh, we'll we'll see it, whether it's a two-two series or I'll be giving a eulogy podcast for what is uh, probably an impending gentleman sweep if the Clippers lose game four. As always, if you want to reach out to me. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Jovan Buha. That is at J-O-V-A-N B-U-H-A. You can read my work on the Athletic. You could subscribe for one week for free. Uh, you know, sign up for a one-week free trial, and then after that, if you want to remain a subscriber, you can do so for the price of like, I guess, two packs of chapstick. I've I've uh, gone into chapstick lately, so that'll be my my four dollar. Uh, price thing that I referenced this week. And most importantly, of course, if you've not subscribed to this podcast, if you've not checked out Blue Wire's other podcasts, uh, you could type in Clip City or Blue Wire on Apple uh, Podcasts, on Spotify, on Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. uh, Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. I always love five-star reviews. I always love very nice Compliments and positive reviews. So, thank you very much. I appreciate you listening. I will talk to you on Monday after game four.